Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Have a Talk. I'm Ernesto Leon, and today we're going to be talking about Gen Z politics, what happened, what happened at the border at Texas with the Haitian migrants, as well as the California recall election. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to start off by doing is apologizing for the such such a long hiatus that I was away. I think the last episode I posted was back in uh, the end of June, which was, that's, it's been a while, you know, it's been around like three months since I last posted, it's about to be October, but, you know, life is busy, I'm a college student, working, intern, and, but I love podcasting, which is why I like, I love doing this, so I'm so sorry it's been such a long time, but I'm going to try to be a lot more consistent with my time schedules and I'm going to try to use the free time to do the podcast because I really do like doing it and it just it's a way for me to kind of keep on track with everything that's happening on the news. And also, I want to make it super clear that like I know it's in my description that I'm a political and social commentary. This is just news commentary. I'm not like an actual like person you should use for news. This is just my commentary on news. So with all that being said, let's start off with our first segment. Our first segment is going to revolve, revolve around what happened at the Texas border with the Haitian migrants, which first and foremost, let's put it all out there. It was like so disgusting, so inhumane to see literal like the just the Annabelle like sort of ugh, it, it was just ugly to see. Like, white men and horses with whips whipping black people, because that's what it was. And I'm, uh, it's so weird to see people, like, especially on, like, Fox News and, like, these conservative media outlets try to, like, justify it by calling the whip some sort of horse thing. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how that makes a difference or makes it any better. But first and foremost, call it what it is. It's disgusting. It's inhumane. And that shouldn't happen. And now the Biden administration has, like, responded with saying that um, um, border security agents aren't allowed to use like whips and horses anymore which cool like that should have never been allowed in the first place but I guess that's nice um, but I don't really okay I think this is where it's gonna get a little like uh, you know because f- as someone who's a Gen Z progressive and I did vote for Biden. I never voted for Biden with the intention of him being as progressive as I view the world, if you get what I mean. I knew he's a very moderate liberal, you know. Um, we're kind of going to touch, because I'm not doing the segment on what happened in Afghanistan, but it's going to relate to what happened with the border in a bit. But it is so crazy to me that under the Trump admin, um, Title 2442, I forgot of, I, which, which order the numbers went in, but, you know, it banned migrants from trying to seek refuge because of COVID-19, right? He put that in place. Well, currently, like, the Biden admin is still trying to keep it and fighting in courts to do so. So for people who are also progressive and are super into, like, pro-immigrant rights and stuff, I think it's super important like, to advocate that no matter who you are or what's happening, you should always be able to seek refuge. And I know the UN has came out and said like what the United States did was like, it broke like UN law because 
you're always supposed to seek re- <laughs> seek refuge from people who, one, Haitians in their own country are dealing with like a massive, massive effects of climate change, which I know like a lot of conservatives like to argue that, oh, well, climate change is a con- like it's been contributed by all. And I know most of them don't even believe it's man-made. And some of them are smart enough and realize that it is. But one, they're dealing with that. Two, I know they dealt with a coup to like literally kill their president. So they're actual like escaping people who need refuge. And it's so like, oh my gosh, to see them like actually get here, you know, and be treated that way. It's so like nasty and ugly. And it's sad to see that like, you know, the person you voted for and kind of promised that change isn't delivering on it. And a lot of people want to kind of touch on the colorism effect that this has. So just because I view it as that there is colorism involved in the way sort of like Americans and just the global community in general has reacted to the way Haitians were treated. Although I'm not like, like I said before, the UN came out and said that, hey, that's like we have human laws put in place that they're seeking refuge. The United States should have gave into them. And I'm not saying that some moderates and some conservatives don't have points when they say things like, hey, like, Haitians, this isn't like a new thing. Haitians been have been fleeing Haiti for a while, and a lot of them went to South America. And I know in Brazil, they were, like, offered jobs, but as soon as those, like, construction jobs were over, they were immediately, like, sort of deported out of Brazil. And they, like, many of them, I know Chile is also offering some, uh, some like, some Haitians, like, refuge. And... Even throughout Mexico, I know Mexico did also is horrible at treating like migrants that come to the Mexican border. And when people bring up the point that, hey, like a lot of Haitians went all the way to South America and walked all the way, you know, through the southern border to the American border. I get it. You know, people are angry, but I think people have to also understand is that they walk through third world, second world countries I think the fact that they fled their country already, you know, the fact that like a huge hurt, like their freaking homes were thrown down because I think there was a big flood and not think, I mean, I know there was, there was a big, a big flood in August that caused a lot of like environmental damages. A lot of people's homes were ruined. The political environment in Haiti, like I said before, there was a coup. People tried to kill the president and take over the government. Like, they're in really dire circumstances, and the fact that, like, they left their home, they're not seeking just for, like, to go to Guatemala or Honduras or Nicaragua or even a lot of the Southern American countries that are also struggling in terms of poverty, right? So is Mexico. They were seeking for real change and to better their lives in America, and America has room. Um... I think a lot of people are also making the claim that, hey, and I'm oh, like I said, I don't see, I, I see the validity in that argument that like, hey, like other countries can help. But I think people should realize is that people don't just want to settle for like, like they already lost everything. I think they want to like get a life that offers a lot more, you know, than going to Guatemala and still having to deal with poverty because most Guatemalans are dealing with poverty. They wanted to come to America, you know, and like work their way up, which is hard in itself, but (laughs) that's a whole separate conversation. Um, 
and like oh my gosh i got i get so off track but i was talking about the colorism effect of this all is that you know not to say that like our communities and america and so many other communities throughout the world weren't like disgusted by the treatment and everything but when we see when we have a conversation i mean what happened in afghanistan which is why i brought it up was that lots of countries came together to, in order to give refuge to a lot of the middle eastern easterners and i know like canada's a really big one that offered a lot of refuge and stuff for a lot of the um people afghanis to go and like get a better life and stuff and even america has promised to bring around like 200k to different parts you know especially in the midwest cuz they need people there's not a lot of people there so a lot of people are like hey why aren't you offering haitians the same thing you know even when it comes to latinos latinas and latina people there's a lot of movement there right there's a lot of movement um whether whatever organization you want to name that specifically there's a bunch of them that help you know people in that specific community try to like get a better life here simulate and help with language and whatever that may be but there's none of that for the Haitians and i think that's why i personally believe that there's some sort of colorism involved because it's i think there is a want to help minorities but as soon as it comes to Haitians who are black there's a lack of it like people are saying oh it's inhumane it's like what Kamala um Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were saying like oh it's inhumane like okay what about it <laughs> what are you going to do to help them you know and <sighs> Like I said before, I wish there was more movement in the Biden administration. Not to say that I'm completely disappointed by the Biden administration, right? I've agreed with a lot of the things they've done. Um, but this is one thing I think in immigration that I'm just really disappointed in. So, for this next segment, we're going to be talking about the California recall election that happened a couple weeks ago. And I mean, well, the results came in a couple weeks ago. And Governor Newsom is going to be keep <laughs> keep the title of governor here in California. As as to if I'm surprised by this, I not. I think California is a really. It's, I would go as to say that I don't know if it's, if it's the most liberal, progressive state because I don't know which one or if New York or California is more progressive. But like it's one of those two. You know, that's just a really progressive state, and I don't. You know, I never in a million years saw a Republican winning the state. Heck, I know a lot of people were saying that even if a moderate Republican ran, um, that they could have had a chance. I don't think so. I I really don't. I don't think conservative policy is something that Californians like are cut like are accustomed to wanting for good reason. I mean, um, not to, the state used to be very conservative, right? Whether we had Arnold as our governor and we also had, um. Ronald Reagan, a big president and Nixon, you know, like former people that the Republic California Republican Party used to like dish out which became really famous Republicans. But it's so crazy to me that, you know, the the Republican Party of California that dished out people like Arnold and Ronald Reagan and um uh Richard Nixon who's they're all anyway. Not to say that they're good because I'm not a personal supporter of all of them, you know, but they were like big name politicians that a majority of the country liked for sometime that for this recall election that the biggest you know the biggest person that came out of it was Larry Elder this like news radio personality i immediately when i saw that i i thought trump right like i'm like cuz i know the majority of republicans nowadays are kind of like 
in this Trump loyalist party type of mindset that, oh, Trump is the face and Trump is the lead of the Republican Party, which is a losing strategy. I don't, if 2020, if the 2020 election didn't show you that, you lost the House, you lost the Senate, you lost the presidency, you lost all three branches of government. You you flipped Arizona blue as well as Georgia and lost the majority of other swing states, right? Like um, Michigan and Pennsylvania. It's not a winning strategy. To say COVID is fake is not a winning strategy. This whole election is rigged, which is something that Republicans were even doing in California before the results were even counted. You know, we already heard Larry Elder go on Fox News and start complaining that the election was rigged. What the hell? You know, like that's not, I I can't even like comprehend if this is a new thing they're doing, I guess good for them horrible for our democracy, but I guess good for Democrats, good for liberals, because this is a winning strategy and it's going to keep them losing. Um, oh, sorry, I kind of got, I got really into it there, but uh, I just like, to an, like I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of you are angry. Like, I think it's so insane. I think the stat was like, like, I don't know if it was 60 or 65% of all Republicans in the United States actually believe that the election was stolen and rigged with no evidence, you know, like I think Arizona's on its 18th dang audit. I don't know. I, I a couple of days ago, they announced for the 18th time that Biden won the election. Like, I don't know what people want, you know, like, and I always found it so funny, like throughout this time, because if you guys don't know, like when the election was happening, Trump was already kind of foreshadowing the fact that he wasn't going to give it up that easily. And he already started with the whole, well, I bet this is rigged against me type of rhetoric and every state that voted against him. Right. But there was no uh, fraud in Texas or Iowa or anywhere like any Republican state. It was only California, Georgia, you know, states that did vote for Biden that, you know, we saw uh, Trump and other conservative commentators start to complain about uh, voter fraud. Um wow like i said before it's a losing strategy if they want to keep going with it i i guess go for it i guess you know um keep the marjorie taylor green jewish space lasers attacking school shooter survivors type of beat right like if that's the type of like type of rhetoric that you want to appeal to get vote voters you're not going to get them because guess what? Most people don't agree with that type of things. Most people actually do want to go back to normal life and they understood that COVID is real, right? Lots of families have lost loved member, have lost uh, loved ones in their family, loved friends, right? Know someone of someone that's lost someone. So we need to stop with the rhetoric and the Republican Party really needs to do something about the vaccine hesitancy that a lot of their constituents have because of people in their media circles, like Tucker Carlson, by the way, which every single Fox News host is vaccinated, if you didn't know, like, but (laughs) their audience isn't, isn't that funny? Like, sometimes you just have to sit back and kind of like, think, (laughs) critically think, be like, hey, you know, I'm watching Tucker Carlson. He's vaccinated. But why is he trying to throw all this like anti-vax at me? It's because you like it and because you he wants to make you feel like you're right. But he knows he's protecting himself and endangering you and your family. But you're like, it's so funny that I hear these people go, oh, sheep, this sheep that you're listening. You're listening to someone that's vaccinated telling you not to be. Why would someone like comprehend that for a little bit? Right. Like kind of go into the context clues of that, like unlayer it. But God dang, I forgot where I was at. I was talking about the California recall election. Yeah, 
as I was saying, oh, yeah, I was talking to you about they're trying to, like, throw these Trumpy Republicans that it's just not a winning strategy. And like I said before, even a moderate in California wouldn't win. If you want to run a moderate Republican who is more liberal, um, heck, in my district, which is California 21, they have a better chance of winning. And he did win because he was a moderate Republican. He even voted to impeach Trump for January 6th. So you see, that's... I don't agree. It's David Valadeo. That's my congressman. I don't agree with David Valadeo. I'm not going to vote for David Valadeo because I'm not a conservative. But hey, he was a winning candidate, right? Because he wasn't this partisan hack that was just about Trumpy um, politics and stuff, right? And we're going to have to see because I know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Liz Cheney, who has like, become one of the most infamous like Republicans for being this anti-Trump Republican, is sort of like running for re-election soon. And I know George W. Bush is um, campaigning for her. All horrible people, whether you're on a Trump, Trump, Bush, or Cheney. I find this all hilarious <laughs> that they're trying to figure out where they're at. Um, Trump is um, uh, the person running against Liz Cheney as a congresswoman for the state of Wyoming. Um, is a Trumpy. It's their Trump um, approved. I don't even know. Like Trump, what is it called? Endorsed. There we go. And... We're going to have to see. This election is kind of important because it's going to let us know if the Republican Party will be able to produce candidates that aren't Trumpies. If it will be able to have candidates that are okay with being a more Reagan conservative in terms of like more classical, traditional Republicans compared to this like newer brand of Trump Republicans, which is what I call them because... I don't know what else to call them, you know, because <laughs> they are very different in terms of views of democracy, I guess, you know, not to say at the end of the day, Liz Cheney voted with Trump 92% of the time. I know most recently, like she went to a media outlet, I think it was on 60 Minutes. Um, so she, she was on 60 Minutes and they asked her about uh, marriage equality because her sister's a lesbian and she ha- she's married and she has a family. And Dick Cheney, who is a vice president under the Bush admin- well, Bush Jr.'s administration, um, which is their dad, um, he was one of the, like, although Republican, he came in favor of marriage equality when his daughter came out. So anyways, it, isn't that like, I find that so weird like the fact that all for a lot of people like you can't have empathy unless unless there's this personal effect to you so like what happened with dick cheney you know he was anti-gay marriage until his daughter was you know she came out as a lesbian and like to then support gay marriage you know that happens i think that happens a lot of the time, I guess, because I guess it gets you the influence, but it's so sad that it takes something like that, like someone that you, like, know, know to end up supporting something, because you don't have to be a woman to understand the sexism that happens in the workplace, how how uncomfortable, you know, um, some certain situations women can be placed under, right, to understand the struggles that, like, LGBTQ people have to go through, to understand that there is active discrimination against BIPOC people, right? Like, you don't have to be a member of those communities to comprehend that, like, comprehend that they have, they have real struggles they have to go through. At least I don't. And it's sad that, to see that for a lot of Republicans, who for the majority, I mean, their party platform is still against marriage equality, which insane, but 
you know, what are you going to do? So, like I said, um, this really goes ties into our final segment of today, which I'm really excited to talk about because it's the main one I wanted to talk about. But I'm trying to start this like current events thing on my podcast. So what happened a little bit of Afghanistan talk, you know, what happened with the Haitian migrants, the California recall election, the politics with it. And now we're going to be talking about our main topic. So I'm excited. article i'm sorry i work as an intern for the news so like i'm used to writing articles i mean for our final segment we're going to be talking about um gen z politics because there's been a lot of articles that have been coming out in most like the last couple weeks and months that have to do with gen z because we got to see how they really voted in this last election the last midterms and it is so interesting you know i'm such a political junkie this episode i think is the first one where it's pure politics I usually do a lot more social-themed episodes, but I'm going to try to keep my political ones kind of short, brief, gets you to the point where my opinion are on things. Um, so I think The View did a segment today. Um, I just saw the title, but it had to do with Gen Z and millennials and the Republican Party struggling to get their votes. And I thought this was such an interesting conversation to have because as someone who's part of Gen Z who's also someone who's has a progressive mind and have been a political commentator before for about two years. And I've just like talked politics from far leftist to the most far right people, right? Like all and everything in between. Also in my Gen Z generation, like I can give you my personal experience as to why I believe the Republican party is struggling to get Gen Z voters. I could speak on millennials, but I don't really want to because I'm not a millennial, but I'd rather focus on Gen Z. But I got if for all the stats I'm about to state, um, they're all from Pew Research, which is a non-political. They just take statistics, right? They're like they take polls and surveys. They don't have a bias of any sort. Um, and you guys can look them up if you want. You know, like just to make sure yourself, you know that they're non-biased because. I could be wrong, but as far as I know, they're they're known for being very like integritous and like they don't lie about their stats or nothing. The same Ramasan, you know. <laughs> Anyways, I it's a joke. Um, so around twenty two percent of all Gen Z approved of Trump during his four years in presidency, compared to the seventy seven percent of Gen Z that disapproved of Trump throughout his presidency. So right off the bat. Um, we can see that there's a big, that's a massive, like, divide, 22 to 77, which is 99, which I think 1% was probably just not commenting, but that's huge, like, that's not halfway at all, you know, it's not like 60, 40, which is a lot more like, hey, you know, like, you can switch that 77 to 22, that's like a base you're never going to be able to get, like, you know, that that's crazy and a lot of people and i guess a lot of republican strategists are asking hey like what's going on like why aren't we appealing to gen z voters well to me the answer is simple (laughs) but i guess to maybe a lot of republicans or conservatives who not saying this in a rude way you know it's it's the truth it's a party that is about 90 percent caucasian they're white um, also a party that is predominantly straight is predominantly christian and is predominantly male um, not to say that there isn't minorities uh, that are 
BIPOC or LGBTQ or women in the Republican Party, because there is. Are they represented? Not really. They really lack representation compared to the Democratic Party. Um, and the first thing I want to talk is because, you know, I'm stating all those things and a lot of people are like, what does that have to do with like the Republican Party's lack of being able to connect to Gen Z voters and get their vote? And while Republicans and conservatives might go, I don't like playing identity politics, right? I just care about policy. You have to understand that identity politics, although to them, it's just, oh, you vote for someone because they're gay. Oh, you're voting for someone because they're a woman or because they're black or because whatever reason. You can't, you can't diminish identity politics. Sorry, to that rhetoric. That is so like, first of all, untrue because identity politics is such a more complex conversation. Identity politics is a standpoint I don't know if you're like, I'm taking a communication theory class, so I might bring up language that <laughs> isn't the most normal, like, you know, but it's a standpoint theorist approach. When you are part of a community, whether I'm specifically Latino, I'm specifically Chicano from like Mexican ancestry. If you are part of my community, you have a better understanding of what my community needs. You understand that around 72% of uh, Mexican Americans are related to someone that is undocumented. You'll understand that a lot of us, are, you know, are recent migrants to the United States, right? Especially in California. You're going to understand that probably shouting a wall, you know, to fix border security isn't the best way to try to get Mexican voters to vote for you, which Mexicans are the biggest Latin, Latin demographic you can get in terms of um, in the United States. And... Oh, sorry. And it is so insane to me. So that's like what I'm talking about when it comes to identity politics. You can't diminish it to, oh, you're just voting for someone because they're Mexican. No, that's not it. You're voting for someone that understands the point you're coming through. That doesn't mean they have to be Mexican. They can promise to have something, someone that's Mexican-American in their cabinet, right? They can promise to have advisors that are Mexican-American. They can promise to have a consultant, whatever it may be, right? to have a conversation with people from those communities. That is identity politics. It's not just voting for someone because you have the same color of skin, the same religion, or the same um, sexuality, or same gender, whatever that may be, right? Whatever um, social identity that you connect with them with. You understand that for the most part, if you share a social identity, they have a connection to the struggles that your community is going through. And that's what identity politics is because... You have to have the lived experience and it doesn't even have to be a social identity. It can be some sort of status, right? If you're homeless and you were able to get out of homelessness, you yourself know the struggles that homeless people go through. That's not something everybody can relate to. So just having that mindset and that viewpoint is so significant to reaching other uh, voters because you understand more people from um, from their pop culture. You understand what people really like to watch in that community the music the tv shows you get a better comprehension of what way to try to market and advertise yourself as well as what kind of problems they want solved right like it is not a bad thing because it is the thing that is literally not allowing the republican party to try to get more like gen z voters because 50 percent. i think wait let me make sure Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
Yeah. 52% of Gen Z is white. One in four are Hispanic. 14% are black. 6% are Asian. And 5% are mixed or Native American. So only 52% of all Gen Z is like white. And even within that vote, most of the white people in Gen Z are voting for Democrats. And of course, like I said before, this is a much more expansive conversation because this also has to do with climate, right? I, I know that, um, where's the other stat that I was reading? 54% of Gen Z believe climate change is human-made, while only 14% say it's natural causes and ca- like it's not a big deal, right? 43% of Gen Z conservatives, that's interesting, believe racism is an issue compared to older Republicans, which is only... Tw- which 20% of all older Republicans think racism is an issue. 50% of Gen Z is LGBTQ. 70% of Gen Z wants politicians and government to be part of the solution, compared to older, um, older Americans who believe that solutions come from individuals and private businesses. So, those are all the stats I have, so I just write them out because it makes it easier, you know, to have in your head while... I complete my talking. <laughs> but like I said before, like I was talking, we were talking about climate and sorry, I had to take like a little pause because I want to drink water because I'm not used to being back. So this is my first episode back. So I need to like slow down. I know you're probably like, damn, this bitch is, I mean, oh, sorry. This person's talking like a hundred, hundred words a minute. I'm, I mean, the second yeah, I know. I'm I'm a really fast talker, sadly. <laughs> Something I really had to deal with in my like public speaking classes and stuff when I had to give speeches and stuff. Horrible. <laughs> That's my tech. I talk faster when I'm nervous or like I have a lot to say. I just run through it like as fast as I can. I shouldn't, but I'll work. I was better in my old like when I started podcasting in my other po- my older podcast episodes. I was a lot better at handling it. And this is the first. Actually, this is the first podcast episode that I'm doing like without a guest so it's something I'm gonna have to get used to because I'm used to like having someone with me so like they kind of like hey like they kind of interject and give their opinion with and I respond so it's more of a conversation type so I've never done podcasting which is how it's usually done which is on your own kind of having a conversation by yourself so I'm learning I'm learning as I go so sorry that I just got off track there heavily but okay let's get back to it which was we're talking about how Gen Z is just not voting for Republicans. And I said that one of the reasons was identity politics because they kind of bash that instead of kind of embrace it and realize that, hey, you know what? Like a big chunk of Gen Z is actually ethnic. They're black, they're Hispanic, they're Asian, they're native, they're mixed. And we need to relate to a lot of the things that they relate to. And it's something that they don't really have to worry about because they don't really have um ethnic votes right that's something that the democratic party can coin for itself which one i'm i'm not candace owens i'm i'm not like a minority that um t- thinks that you're enslaved because you vote for democrats that's so gross and racist when it's within itself but what i would agree to an extent is that just because you are, are for example me i'm latina just because you are latina as well it does not mean you have to vote for democrats heck you could be a registered independent that honestly that's what i encourage right to kind of like look at both sides 
hopefully you agree with progressives a lot more but hey i don't know what your morality stands if you're watching my podcast you're most likely progressive but <laughs> but if you're like me and progressive i don't agree with the Demo- democratic party like all the time like i was talking about earlier how i really disagree with how the biden admin is handling immigration i think it's gross and i think that's something that's really impressive about the democratic um democratic uh, electorate is that we can disagree like we don't have to agree with each other we have like we don't vote at the fact that we're going to praise this person i think it's so insane how um conservatives treated trump like he was like a lot of them like oh appointed by god savior you know this QAnon like conspiracy theories that were coming out it's insane it's crazy it's unattractive to gen z voters that's not how you get votes right well heck a lot of us don't even like listening to our parents i don't know like what kind of for people that really hate brainwashing it sure sounds like a lot of brainwashing to me but that's besides the point um as I was saying that one of the reasons I, I talked about identity politics and I keep trying to talk about climate change and I just never get there, but climate change is also something that's really big for Gen Z voters and they want to have more environmental friendly solutions to a lot of the problems our earth is facing. And that's a big winning issue because that's something that Gen Z voters are going to have to deal with in their older adult life that a lot of the older Republicans and older Democrats won't have to. And if you want to really want to like dive into a lot of Gen Z issues, that's going to be one of them. Also, a lot of them is student loan. A lot of it is making um, university and college a lot more affordable, especially for middle class families, because they're usually the ones that get the blunt end of the stick, right? With richer families being able to afford it and poor families usually getting um, plenty of financial aid to go. And the majority of the people are, who are middle class kind of get just stuck, right? That's what's sucky. And that's something that the Biden admin is addressing, which I'm like, that makes me happy. And that's why I was saying that I'm, although disappointed in immigration, I'm happy with Biden in terms of how he is trying to, he did sign a bunch of executive orders, like to protect dreamers, to protect the LGBTQ community, to do, um, sorry, to um, a lot of more environmental friendly things, like what happened with the pipeline, right? I know a lot of like conservatives were like, oh my gosh, like, a thousand, I think it was only like a thousand or five thousand. One of those, they're like a thousand to five thousand jobs were lost, and I'm like that. That pipeline was creating a thousand. I don't know. Uh, wait, give me one second because I want to give you guys the accurate number because I don't want to give you guys a fake number. I did. I plan on talking about the pipeline. No. Um, but I did, and now I have to remember, right? Like I have to remember all the facts. Oh, the Keystone XL pipeline in South Dakota. Da, da, da. I was in Nebraska, my bad. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Projector to create that. Okay, yeah, I was right. Around 1,500 jobs for about two to three years, five years, two to f- one to five years. And only create around 50 jobs permanently, like for the rest of their life. That's not impressive. I'm sorry, but people that were defending that, that's not impressive. That's not an impressive thing to have 50 jobs for people to have for the rest of their life. 
You want good, secure jobs that people can have a stable life on, especially when a lot of people rely on healthcare from their job employment. So it's not something that I rec- like. That's not something I'm recommend. So I don't care that that was taken away. And a lot of people are like, what about those families that were part of it? Get them something better. They deserve better. And that's why a lot of people want to invest in green energy jobs. One of the biggest jobs that's growing in the economy right now is solar panel installers. That's a really big that's happening that has to do with renewable energy, solar power. And it's the most growing one. And Biden has been talking about it and he's trying to pass legislation on it. That's what you should try to switch them to. That helps. It's green job. It's healthy for our planet. It helps air pollution, right? It helps us in so many ways invest in it and try to create jobs out of it. And I'm not sure why conservatives are so anti it anti creating these sort of jobs it's capitalist it's good it's part of the free market you would expect them to support it but i they're really let's just say coal oil and gas companies really have um conservatives really have deep pockets because of them but um and also establishment dems but that's besides the point um so we talked about identity politics climate change And another big one, I would say, is LGBTQ rights, because that's, I said before that Gen Z is one of the communities that is heavily LGBTQ. There was an article that was posted not too long ago that gave the stat that almost half of all Gen Z is LGBTQ, specifically bi, bi, it's like the most um, sexuality most people register to and align with and identify with as. And as, uh, as a whole, like millions of people are, you know, like half LGBTQ and you have an entire party that is still against marriage equality. We talked about this a little bit before in the California recall because California is a progressive state, right? Gen Z is a progressive is a progressive base. Like you're not going to get their votes, especially if you're still like in the heck in the midst middle ages thinking like that that's so gross i don't even know i think middle juice was even more progressive in terms of sex but it's so insane to me and wow like um i was gonna bring up the fact i talked about it like in one of my other podcast episodes it was a trans rights one and we were talking about the equality act right hr5 which was created in 2019 by democrats to make the lgbtq a protected class which liz cheney voted against again this year i don't know why she made a whole segment talking about how she took like she 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 said that she was against marriage equality she was wrong i don't care your your words are something your actions are another and as i was saying like democrats created hr5 the equality act to make the lgbtq a protected class in 2019 around around 18 i'd say 18 republicans voted for it go to 2021 it went down to three to five Republicans voting for the Equality Act. It went down. It went lower. Like, you you would expect that to go up, not down. But for some reason, more traditional conservatives were more in favor of it. And the Trumpy ones aren't. I, it's a whole issue that I wish I understood understood to an extent but i don't and what but what i do understand is that you're never going to get gen z votes with such a backward thinking mindset so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know it was not the best (laughs) yeah i'm i have to get used to um this all again so this is like kind of my like intro to everything again and my next episode is going to be um with guests it's going to be 
I won't, it's, should I give it away? No, I'll wait. It's better. So that way you guys know. But I really do want to get more into the political aspects of things since it's something I am really passionate about. And if you ever would like to be part of it, just literally you can message me on here or any social media. We're always, um, I am and anyone that is a guest is always linked in the specific episode to their Instagram. So you can DM us there. Um, I invite all types of mindsets. You know, I think in um, diversity of thought is important. So if you are conservative and want to be in my podcast, I'd love that. I don't, you know, a little healthy discourse is good. If you're not, even, great, right? Like we could still disagree on things, even agree and have a perfectly well, healthy conversation. So thank you guys again. I hope everybody enjoys their day. And I wanted to start something new that had started last podcast, uh, my last whatever podcast thingy episode. And it's called Love It, Hate It. Um, and I just talk about something in my life that I'm loving and something that I'm hating. And something that I'm loving is, <laughs> I don't know why I give so much dramatic effect. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I gave another anime my last time. I talked about Hunter x Hunter. Well, this time I'm talking about Boruto because I'm actually such a like Naruto fan. And I love it. I'm like almost done with it and it's like 200 episodes and I'm like 170 or something and I've loved it it's been such a good like way to spend my alone time because I just love anime I love all sorts of shows but anime is kind of something that I'm really into right now it's really interesting I love it something that I'm hating is how busy I am literally so I don't I'm sure like maybe a lot of you are also college students or you're working or you're an intern or you're doing like something, you know, like that just has you constantly like kind of drained, you know, like I spend Monday through Friday um, going, doing like this regular school and also Monday through Friday working as an intern for the news and I'm working on a magazine and it's, you know, it's a lot of work and I'm also working and I, Friday through Sunday, I work almost in the entire day to actually get money. And then I actually have the regular school stuff like, you know, tests and projects and essays and uh, lots of papers because my major requires lots of papers and it's annoying, but I love it too. But it's something that I'm hating and something that I'm loving. I don't hate the school. I hate the fact that I'm busy because of it, because I wish, you know, everybody wishes I had a little bit more free time, you know, but it's the sacrifices you make in life, right? You work hard. So I wish you all the best day. I don't know when this will be posted, but when it is. I hope you did enjoy it as fast as I do talk, but I hope all of you have an amazing, wonderful day.